Whisper Stories, read by me, Jordan Lift. Make yourself comfortable, relax, and get ready for this next story. The Secret Agent, A Simple Tale, by Joseph Conrad. Chapter 1. Mr. Verloc, going out in the morning, left the shop nominally in charge of his brother-in-law. It could be done, because there was very little business at any time, and practically none at all before the evening. Mr. Verloc cared but little about his ostensible business, and moreover his wife was in charge of his brother-in-law. The shop was small, and so was the house. It was one of those grimy brick houses which existed in large quantities before the era of reconstruction dawned upon London. The shop was a square box of a place, with the front glazed in small panes. In the daytime, the door remained closed. In the evening, it stood discreetly, but suspiciously ajar. The window contained photographs of more or less undressed dancing girls, nondescript packages and wrappers like patent medicines, closed yellow paper envelopes, very flimsy, and marked two and six in heavy black figures. French comic publications hung across a string as if to dry. A dingy blue china bowl, a casket of black wood, bottles of marking ink and rubber stamps, a few books with titles hinting at impropriety, a few apparently old copies of obscure newspapers, badly printed with titles like The Torch, The Gong, rousing titles, jets inside the panes were always turned low, either for economy's sake or for the sake of the customers. These customers were either very young men who walk about the window for a time before slipping in suddenly, or men of a more mature age, but looking generally as if they were not in funds. Some of that last kind had the collars of their overcoats turned right up to their mustaches traces of mud on the bottom of their nether garments, which had the appearance of being much worn and not very valuable, and the legs inside them did not, as a general rule, seem of much account either, with their hands plunged deep in their side pockets of their coats. They dodged in sideways, one shoulder first, as if afraid to start the bell going. The bell hung on the door by means of a curved ribbon of steel difficult to circumvent. It was hopelessly cracked, but of an evening, at the slightest provocation, it clattered behind the customer with impudent virulence. It clattered, and at that signal, through the dusty glass door behind the painted deal counter, Mr. Verloc would issue hastily from the parlor at the back. His eyes were naturally heavy. He had an air of having wallowed, fully dressed, all day on an unmade bed. Such an appearance a distinct disadvantage. In a commercial transaction of the retail order, much depends on a seller's engagement and amiable aspect. But Mr. Verloc knew his business and remained undisturbed by any sort of aesthetic doubt about his appearance. With a firm, steady eyed impudence, which seemed to hold back the threat of some abominable menace, he would proceed to sell over the counter 
messages. He was easily diverted from the straight path of duty by the attractions of street cats and dogs, which he followed down narrow alleys into unsavory courts, by the comedies of the streets, which he contemplated open-mouthed to the detriment of his employer's interests, or by the dramas of fallen horses, whose pathos and violence induced him sometimes to shriek piercingly in the crowd, which disliked to be disturbed by sound of distress in its quiet enjoyment spectacle. When led away by a grave and protecting policeman, it would often become apparent that poor Stevie had forgotten his address, at least for a time. A brusque question caused him to stutter to the point of suffocation. When startled by anything perplexing, he used to squint horribly. However, he ever, ever had the events which was encouraging, and before the natural outburst of impatience on the part of childhood days, run for protection beyond the short skirts of his sister Winnie. On the other hand, he might have been suspected of hiding a fund of reckless naughtiness. When he had reached the age of fourteen, a friend of his late father, an agent for a foreign preserved milk firm, having given him an opening as office boy, he was discovered one foggy afternoon in his chief's absence, busy letting off fireworks on the staircase. Off in quick succession, a set of fierce rockets, angry Catherine wheels, loudly exploding squibs, and the matter might have turned out very serious. An awful panic spread through the whole building. Wild eyed, choking clerks stampeded through the passages full of smoke. Silk hats and elderly businessmen could be seen rolling independently down the stairs. Stevie did not seem to derive any personal gratification from what he had done. His motives for this stroke of originality were difficult to discover. It was only later on that when he obtained from him a misty and confused confession. It seems that two other office boys in the building had worked upon his feelings by tales of injustice and oppression, till they had wrought his compassion to the pitch of that frenzy. But his father's friend, of course, dismissed him summarily as likely to ruin his business. After that altruistic exploit, Stevie was put to help wash the dishes in the basement kitchen and to black the boots of the gentleman patronizing the Belgravian mansion. There was obviously no future in such work. The gentleman tipped him a shilling now and then. Mr. Verloc showed himself the most generous of lodgers. Altogether, all that did not amount to much either in the way of gain or prospects. So that when Winnie announced her engagement to Mr. Verloc, her mother could not help wondering, with a sigh and a glance toward the scullery, what would have become of poor Stephen now? It appeared that Mr. Verloc was urged to take him over together with his wife's mother and with the furniture, which was the whole visible fortune of the family. Mr. Verloc gathered everything as it came to his broad, good-natured breast. The furniture was disposed of the best advantage all over the house. But Mrs. Verloc's mother was confined to two back rooms on the first floor. The luckless Stevie slept in one of them. By this time a growth of thin, fluffy hair had come to blur like a golden mist, the sharp line of his small lower jaw. He 
the sister with blind love and docility in her household duties. Mr. Verloc thought with some occupation would be good for him. His spare time he occupied by drawing circles with compass and pencil on a piece of paper. He applied himself to that pastime with great industry, with his elbows spread out and bowed low over the kitchen table. Through the open door of the parlor at the back of the shop, Winnie, his sister, glanced at him from time to time. 